0: Jesus in John tells us that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and follow the shepherd because they recognize and know the shepherd's voice. And Jesus in John tells us also that the sheep will not follow a stranger and, in fact, will run away from a stranger because they don't recognize and know a stranger's voice. I do not know a lick about sheep. (laughs) I can't tell you a thing about sheep and shepherds and strangers and voices But I do know a thing or two about cows. (laughs) Or at least I like to think I do after excelling as a Swiss dairy farmhand for six months. Yes, it's true. I was once a Swiss maid. And if sheep are anything like cows, I'm at first inclined to quibble with Jesus and John because... The 30-odd Swiss cows that I attended to for only half a year certainly followed my voice, and I was not the farmer. Lucas was. But then I actually go back and I try to remember, and I recall that the cows did not follow my voice, at least at first. And they only ever did once I got good enough at mimicking Lucas's voice— we called them in from pasture every evening before the evening milking, and they stayed in the barn overnight, and then we let them out again after the morning milking. And I went back and forth on this, but this is how we called them. <laughs> <coughs> 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 Come a- t- 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 hey! mm -hmm. (laughs) the farmer lucas cow call i also recall frustrations in later days when i'd gotten more confident and let's face it cocky when i was certain that i had the farmer lucas cow call down and those cows just would not budge inexplicably Maybe one or two would cast a casual glance my direction, but everyone would just go about her business as though nothing had happened at all. They really did know Lucas's voice, and they sorta of kinda of reluctantly followed me because they'd caught on that I was an acceptable farm hand sanctioned by the real farmer, Farmer Lucas. They sorta of kinda of reluctantly followed me when I approximated his voice well enough, or when they were having a particularly happy day and were feeling generous toward me. And some days they simply wouldn't. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how well I was sure I had done, days when they asserted a stubborn resolve against me as if to remind me that I was, in fact, an imposter. And, like a staffer at the West Wing who serves at the pleasure of the president, I served at their pleasure. I imagine a pretty little brown Swiss casually chewing her cud I just can't with this farm hand today, Bessie. You? <laughs> yeah, if sheep are anything like cows, I'd wager that Jesus and John actually got it right. My cows, sure enough, knew their farmer's voice. While Jesus tells his listeners that he's the gate in this allegory that they don't understand... In the very next verse that we didn't read today, the very next verse, Jesus claims to be the shepherd. Now, I'm not sure how Jesus is both the gate and the shepherd. Not sure how even Jesus, the incarnate one, could purport to have his gate and eat his shepherd too. Oh, come on, that was good. Have his gate and eat his shepherd. Whether it's Jesus or God the Creator, or the Holy Spirit, it does seem clear that the voice of the shepherd here is a divine voice. It is somehow, some way, somewhere the voice of God. It's a voice of the sheep. That is, the believers, the belongers, the followers, that is, the disciples, and by extension, ostensibly, you and me. It's a voice that the sheep know and trust and heed. It's a voice they can distinguish from a stranger, a bandit, a thief. And that leads me to the question of how. I've never heard God's voice, at least not in an audible way, in a personified and identifiable way, the way I can hear one of your voices. Some people claim to have And I don't generally doubt that, especially from one I know well and trust, but it just hasn't been my experience. Yet, we have sought to nurture an environment here at SMC in which we center in the practice of spiritual discernment, which we have described as a prayerful, informed, intentional effort to distinguish God's voice from the other voices that speak to us by seeking a sense of the direction the Spirit is leading in a given situation or decision. So how exactly do we do that? I don't really know, and maybe as lead pastor I should, but I don't really know. I do know that I have experienced occasionally a more elusive sense of God's leading or calling that I might metaphorically refer to as God's voice in my life. But if I'm honest, I've experienced that mostly with any measure of confidence when looking in the rearview mirror. I look back and I think, yes, that was the right path. It's then that I'm able to more positively claim that, yes, I had identified the voice of the shepherd, if not the audible personified voice, the metaphorical voice. And I had, thanks be to God, had the wherewithal to heed the shepherd's voice. It's then that, conversely, I am most able to positively identify that I did not go the right way when I'm looking back, that I didn't choose the right or best or most life-giving path. And if the shepherd had been speaking to me, I wasn't listening, or at least I didn't heed that voice that was beckoning me toward abundant life. Looking backward at my life, I can see, if not 2020... At least more clearly. And it's much more challenging for me to identify that voice when I'm looking forward. Though I do think of a couple of times when looking forward, a sense of a right direction or a decision was strangely and deeply clear. When looking forward, I did feel more confident in having discerned well the leading of God. And in those moments, I think part of the reason why I remember them, why they're memorable, is that the path that seemed right was somewhat unexpected or a surprising one in some way. And therefore, following that clear yet unexpected path did take more trust than on your given average day. It seemed that somehow something was sourced in something other than me, something bigger or deeper. It's sort of like a gut knowing, or perhaps to be more precise, an experience of a gut knowing in my life has felt like God. Like knowing something was sourced in in something bigger and deeper than me. And one of those leadings was to Goshen College. I'd sworn I would never go there, and now I'm staring down my 20-year reunion. And that's a story for another day. But a story for today is another one of those somewhat unexpected but strong leanings, and that was here to you. When I started pondering transition after a decade at Chicago Community Mennonite Church, frankly, I was feeling ready to be done with the institutional church for at least a little while. And I had some immediate ideas about what the next step might be in my vocation and my ministry. And then a whole series of things happened. And a few key people said a something here or there that echoed loudly and resonated deeply within me long afterward. And I did a lot of listening. I'll never forget the midsummer afternoon walk on the Oregon coast with John when I said aloud, I'm going for Seattle Mennonite Church. <laughs> it was a statement of intention that followed experiencing internally a somewhat unexpected strong urge of call to remain in pastoral ministry, and an accompanying sense of strong call to this congregation very specifically. I remember sharing the sense of leading with the search committee, which was about two years ago now at this point, and someone asked me to talk more about why. And I recall feeling quite inarticulate. Perhaps it was the most inarticulate response of the entire interview process. Quite inarticulate about the mechanics of the leading, even as the leading felt strangely clear. I do know that I had sought to, as we've described here at SMC, make a prayerful, informed, intentional effort to distinguish God's voice from other voices by seeking a sense of the direction the Spirit was leading me. And I stepped out that was a bit terrifying to do so. What if you all would discern differently? What if, in other words, I'd gotten it wrong? Because not just one person gets to make this determination. And I'm struck that we've described this effort to identify God's voice as prayerful, informed, and intentional. I'm aware that I don't typically hear much when I'm not listening. Occasionally, it doesn't matter if I'm listening or not. Like Thursday's thunder that I heard loud and clear without having to listen for it at all. And incidentally, that leading to Goshen College was one such example. I, I wasn't particularly active in listening, um, But the leading, the voice, like a crack of thunder, broke through nonetheless. Over the years, I've done more or less listening for God, and it's been seasonal for me. And if I'm honest, the seasons of little to no active listening for God have probably prevailed. I do recall one time in my last year of seminary when a friend and I made a commitment to be attentive to our dreams in our discernment about our respective post-seminary paths. I think this was her idea, not mine. (laughs) Because I don't typically remember my dreams, so it's not a go-to place for me. And so, though I don't typically remember my dreams, the dreams came. And I still remember a few images, both from my dreams and her dreams in that season, that had a significant impact on the decisions that she and I each made for our paths ahead. Ask and you shall receive. At least in that instance, yeah. These days I do my best listening in my orange chair. I have the most fabulous orange Ikea chair. (laughs) I recommend everybody to have a bright chair. Melanie, I know, has a pink one she's particularly fond of. Mine's orange. It's where I start most of my mornings with coffee, cat, and silent centering prayer. I don't do this listening perfectly. I'm not even sure what it would mean to do listening perfectly. But I do keep showing up most days, at least in this season of my life, and I attempt to be in the presence of God, listening as well as I can, so that perhaps one day, when I need it most, I'll hear not just the voice of a semi-adequate farmhand, but the voice of the shepherd itself. Mary Oliver wrote a poem called Praying. And it goes like this. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention, then patch a few words together, and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. Lovely enough and short enough, I'm going to do it one more time. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention, then patch a few words together, and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. In the case of my calling here to you, I'm so very grateful for having distinguished the voice of the shepherd from the other competing voices. Because I wasn't primarily being called to remain in the larger institutional church, though that is part of it. I was being called to remain in the real, embodied, human church that together we are. Just in the past couple of weeks, the abundant life of being church together has been abundant indeed. A very young person in this church has ministered powerfully to me in grieving the death of my friend, MJ, and helped me along the path of healing, and what a gift that has been. With our high school youth and several others yesterday, including Rachel Millers, Rachel here. Give so much behind-the-scenes to our youth shout-out. With our youth and Rachel and others, I experienced the joy of digging in dirt at Labatea Youth Home in Crown Hill and learned from a master gardener the very fun way of pulling apart a dandelion root that ensures it won't grow again. It was so fun that we had a nice teamwork action happening, particularly with Thalia and Sage, who didn't enjoy that part as much, so they would dig them up and I would pull them apart. It's very fun. And we planted beautiful little blueberry bushes at the end, with the high school boys gathered around a bush, breathing life into the little bush. Grow. <laughs> Via email and phone and and in-person conversations, I have borne witness just in the last couple of weeks to several artistic collaborations that will bring visual and musical beauty into our space and common life. And this morning, I got to hold precious little Nico as we together blessed him and his family, claiming him and them as gods and as ours. And so much more abundant life, even the hard stuff. What joy and abundance and satisfaction in being church together, in collaborating together, each contributing from our own unique giftedness. And Amy is soon going to say more about this, but this morning we invite you to reflect on your own unique giftedness as we together step into Claim and live the abundant life the Good Shepherd desires for all. The abundant life that God is beckoning us toward. the abundant life that God is beckoning us toward and calling us into. Thanks be to God.